Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 73 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman, we've got him back, he wasn't here last week but he's here this week. I'm joined as always by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good Joey, how are you? Very good my friend, very good, it's good to have you back. Now this is going to be quite a quite a juicy show, there's a lot to talk about, there's a lot to review from last week, there's a lot to preview this week as well, so we're going to dive straight into part one being the review part, we're going to dive straight into that, we're going to try to get through this as quick as we can, but as I say, there's a lot to go over, so we're going to start with a card that took place in the, well actually in, in Japan, in the Kokujikan, I don't know where that is or what that is, but it's in Tokyo. One fight to mention over here, Thursday the 2nd of March, so last Thursday, a week ago today, Shinshuk Yamanaka defended his WBC World Bantamweight title successfully. He recorded a TKO win in the 7th round over his opponent, Carlos Carlson, who had a record of 22-1. and So Yamanaka now proceeds to 27-0 and with two draws. You know, he's getting a better fighter every single time he, he steps in, you know, underneath the lights. So, a uh, good win there for Yamanaka. That's it for Thursday. That's it for Japan. Moving over now to one fight that I've got to mention over in the Devonish Complex in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Stephen Allman picked up his 24th career win with a TKO in round one. Uh, his opponent was down... Um, it was actually a. I think. I think the referee waved it off, but I know that he was down before the referee waved it off. It was. Uh, it was a body shot. It was a left. A left hook, I believe, to the body that put uh, Stephen Orman's opponent down. So good. A good knockdown. A good win there for Stephen Orman. But that's it for that one. Moving over now to Poland. Uh, I'm not going to try to uh, to pronounce that venue. To be honest, Matthias Mastanek, 37 wins and four losses. Former opponent of Tony Bellew, he stepped in there against a guy who had a record of 9-2. and two. The guy's name was Alexander Kubic. It was an 8-rounder at Cruiserweight. Matthias Mastanek picked up the win here, so his new record, 38 wins now in the four losses. Now moving over to the big one. And I, I, I've got to say, it was the big one of the weekend. I know that there was the, the other bill in America that we're going to talk about in a minute, but the big one, the drama show in the O2 Arena, Greenwich, United Kingdom, London, of course. Um, I, I usually start with the undercard on the bigger fights, but I think we're going to start with the main event. Tony Bellew, 28-2 and two with one draw. David Hay, 28-2 and two with zero draws. Uh, most people saw this as a Hay win. Most people saw this even as a Hay knockout. I am one of those people, to be honest. I actually... Um, I had a bet down that Hay was going to win between, you know, round one, two, or three. I, I got to hold my hands up and say that I thought that David Hay was going to win this fight. I thought he was going to stop Tony Bellew, and I thought that he was going to jump on him pretty early because, you know, there is that question mark over David Hay's gas tank. Now, no one could have predicted the way it went. It was a crazy fight, to be honest, Diaz. Um, I'm going to throw it down to you before I give my opinion. I know that you were watching that fight. What did you make of it, Diaz? It was a good, good fight, yeah. 
from the first from the first round, um, David Hay wanted to knock out Tony Bellew, and you can see Bellew just jabbing him, jabbing him, jabbing him, jabbing him, right? And Hay was giving him with his big punches, and it was still not knocking out Bellew. But after the sixth round, Hay sustained an Achilles injury, right? And he was fighting with one leg for uh, until the eleventh round, and Hay Hay couldn't get none of Hay couldn't get none of his power from his legs to 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 hit Bellew. Uh, and they come the eleventh round. Bellew just knocked out, uh, dropped Hay out of the ring, and then Shane McGugan had to throw in the towel because of the Achilles injury that he sustained. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, where should I start? I mean, you know, David Hay. The first few rounds, he seemed to be boxing pretty well. To be honest, he was landing his shots on Tony Bellew. Um, you know, he kept missing just by an inch. His timing was very off for David Hay. Um, he didn't look as fast. He looked a bit slower than we've seen him in, you know, a few years back. Uh, Tony Bellew looked a little bit fast, actually, in some parts of the, you know, the early rounds. Uh, Tony Bellew, as I say, when he was hit, he seemed to take the punches quite well. David Hay did land a few, but what was really shocking for me and, the, you know, the, the thing that stood out more than anything was David Hay's timing was just completely off. He was swinging wild uh, wild left hooks and right hooks and they were missing by miles at some point you know which is really unlike David Hay he was also missing just fractionally as well um, let's talk about that sixth round that sixth round David Hay seemed to go backwards he, he just walked backwards he wasn't like he uh, he took a shot and it kind of put him on the back foot or anything he just stepped backwards with his right foot and he must have landed awkwardly and that was it his Achilles snapped um, we didn't quite know what was the problem at first. We thought it could have been a knee injury. We thought it could have been an ankle injury. We knew it was definitely something with the right leg. Obviously, since the fight's finished, it's come out that it was a you know an Achilles injury. And it seems like the rumours on fight week that he flew out to Germany and he, he got advice from one of the top Achilles or top foot doctors, I should say. can't remember what they're called now. But, um, you know... That that seems like it was actually not a rumour. It seems like it was true, even though he was laughing these rumours off on fight week. Um, David Hay, obviously, from that point onwards, he wasn't able to throw his haymaker punch, his big right hand. He wasn't able to, you know, because he, he really puts his, his, you know, he puts everything into his shots. He really spins off of, off of his feet and, and, you know, and punches through his legs kind of thing. So he wasn't able to do that. He could only throw arm punches at Tony Bellew, which, let's be honest, David Hay can bang, whether it's coming just, just as an arm punch or if he really pushes off the canvas with it. So, um... You know, he was trying to draw Bellew in. He couldn't really move. He was just standing in the corner, waving Tony Bellew in. Tony Bellew, to his credit, didn't really fall for any traps that Hay was trying to trying to set. Obviously, Hay kept throwing that big left hook with 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 you know intent to knock Tony Bellew out. And I think that you know it's obviously you know hindsight's uh, you know we know we know what hindsight is, but it seemed like. Tony Bellew may have, or David Hay, I should say, may have overlooked Tony Bellew, may have underestimated Tony Bellew. We all know that he was training hard, but I think that when he snapped his Achilles in that fight, it seemed like he um, he still thought, you know what, I can I can knock him out. And I think most people would have believed that as well. So he, he hung in there, he went into that fight, it looks like anyway, he went into that fight, if the rumours were true, he went into that fight with you know, an Achilles that wasn't 100%, but he still thought he was going to beat Tony Bellew. Well, let me say a couple of things. Firstly, I would have picked him to win, even with the Achilles problem. I didn't know how severe it was. We didn't know if the rumours were true. That's one thing. 
Secondly, I just want to say to David Hay fans, and I am one of David Hay fan, one of David Hay's fans. I think that David Hay has got one of, if not the most loyal fan base in the, in British boxing. And I want to say that because we all know of the pullouts he's had. You know, if you're a, a massive, massive Hay fan that went to that fight knowing he was going to stop Tony Bellew, believing he was going to stop Tony Bellew, you know, like most of us thought, and had everything invested in David Hay. For me, I really liked Tony Bellew. I genuinely wanted the best man to win, even though I thought it was going to be Hay. And yeah, okay, I'll be honest, I did put a bet down, whatever. But I did, I actually sort of wanted Bellew even to win. I really did. Because, you know, Bellew seems like the more down-to-earth guy, the more uh, accessible guy. You could see it the way, and he's taking selfies with every person that was there. You know, he's more of a, he's a good family man. He's a good father, it seems. That's the type of guy I want to do well. So I wanted him to win. But when it comes to fight night, as I say, my money went with Hay. Most people's smart money went with Hay. Um, Yeah, you know, David Hay didn't, you know, he didn't make any, he didn't draw any truth to the fact that the Achilles injury was actual fact rather than a rumor. And if you like, he's, he's not robbed the fans, but he's kind of, He's done a bit of a dirty on some of his fans because a lot of people were absolutely gutted when they saw what happened. Um, you know, it, it was again, it wasn't really David Hay's fault, but David Hay obviously knew that that there was a problem with his Achilles and he didn't state anything before the fight. So that's not very good. You know, David Hay obviously he's pulled out of many fights. Um, when he when he come back to the O2 against Mark Demore after all that timeout and you know fought on Dave, everyone stuck with him. He's had great viewings, even at the O2 weigh-in. I remember being there just um, just last week, just at the end of last week, and all the fans was was cheering on Hay. Hay has got a huge, huge fan base, a really huge fan base, and I am one of his biggest fans. You know, I, I'll tell you a story when he opened up his gym. Um, a couple of years back now, it may have been about two, no, not two, it was even more, I think it was maybe three, four years ago, he opened up his gym in Vauxhall, he was doing an open day, and I got there at, I was the first in the queue, I got there hours and hours and hours and hours and hours before it started, I won't even tell you what time I arrived there, it's embarrassing, but I I was first in the queue, I am literally, I was literally, should I say, one of David Hay's uh, biggest fans, and I've been loyal to him, and I love watching David Hay fight, and if you'd have asked me who the one between uh, Hay and Joshua before this weekend, I'd have gone with Hay, Um, saying that, you know, he he fought on from round 6 to round 11 with you know, he was in, in he was in real bad pain. He was in a lot of pain. You could see it. He couldn't move. He was just standing there in the corner. He was very unsteady on his feet. And a lot of people have questioned David Hayes' heart in the past many, many times. He, you know, he's he's questioned. His heart's been questioned. I've even heard people say, if Tony Bellew knocks him down, why is he going to get up? He just wants a paycheck. He's all about the money. You know, to a certain extent, maybe he is all about the money. But the thing is, he showed tremendous heart in that fight tremendous heart to fight on for five rounds with that with that injury that he had that was clearly affecting his whole game he was taking a bit of a you know a bit of a battering in some parts of the fight what I don't understand is why he wasn't throwing too many punches maybe he was gassing but the gassing along with the uh, along with the injury really made him quite an easy target for Tony to to pick off and Tony also had a second wind everything just really went right for Tony on the night and um, you know it couldn't have gone to a to a nicer guy in truth but as I say 
David Hay definitely fought with his heart on his sleeve. A real um, gutsy performance, a real brave performance. And also after the after the fight finished, and, and obviously he had the uh, the post fight interview in the ring. He was so you know he was he was he was congratulating Tony Bellew. He was so so nice. And Hay has been has been called all sorts of names for pulling out his toe and everything like that. All the excuses people say that he pulls out here, there, and everywhere. He was he was very gracious in defeat, and that was actually refreshing to see. You know, I think that Hay should be given a lot of credit. However, his stock here has took a real nosedive down. It really has. No one, I don't think there's many people now who would pick him to beat Joshua, and I can't really blame those people. You know, m- myself, I think after that performance, there's no way he can fight Joshua and win. No, no way about it. He needs the rematch with Bellew. Uh, but for me, I actually think he's probably done now. I, I think he's done, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does come back to boxing. I've heard from some people inside his camp that he is, in fact, really eyeing up a return like in, as soon as he can. So, um, yeah, Tony Bellew, you know, great win for him. I think he only wants one more fight. He's calling out some of the other big heavyweights, you know, the likes of um, Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker. I think those fights are one step too far. Those guys are, you know, a lot, a lot taller than him, a lot more natural heavyweights than, than David Hayes, you should say. So um, I think that's really, that fight's just for the money there. And also, I believe, you know, he's going to just give up his cruiserweight title if he does that. So that'd be a shame. But I think Tony Bellew at this point in his career he's thinking about the money now um as i say david hay if he does come back then you know we wish him all the best but he needs a rematch with tony bellew and he needs to knock bellew out in brutal fashion like he promised everyone before anyone can invest any more um support into him or belief i should say into him to to go on and do the things that he said he's going to do like beat anthony joshua like beat these other heavyweights out there so I wish I wish David Hay all the best. I wish Tony Bell you all the best, but um you know, it's 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 a crazy one. It was a crazy fight. No one could have predicted it. And um you know, we're going to leave that there, but I will just say that Hay he underwent surgery on his right Achilles um and and that was on the Sunday, so just the the day after uh, the day after the fight and he completely ruptured the tendon. That was what happened there. So a horrific injury, but uh, we wish him back. Uh, we wish him back, you know, as soon as possible when he's fit enough. But um, yeah, Tony Bellew now twenty nine and two with one draw. David Hay twenty eight and three, and he was stopped for the second time in his career. It's the third loss. Um, in that eleventh round, he 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 got knocked out of the ring like through the rope sort of thing. He didn't he didn't land on the floor, but he kind of rolled into like um you know like. The, the the ringside photographers he kind of rolled into them but then it was weird because his his his, his body his torso fell out of the ring but his legs were still in so if you think about that he had to pull his legs out of the ring and then sort of go in with his torso then his legs to sort of get him back inside so he got in at about eight or nine and um he would have carried on it just goes to show the heart he's got for those people that doubt his heart it should never be thrown into question again and obviously Shane McGuigan threw in the towel so um you know I think it was a, a good call and a brave call from Shane McGuigan but as I say best of luck to both men and we can't wait to see what's next for both of them um he was also down in round six as well David Hay I should say it wasn't like a big knockdown or anything um, that's it for the main event. We're going to move down the undercard now. Sam Eggington, 19-3 and three going into this fight against Paulie Malinaji, 36-7. and seven. 
uh, Paulie Malinaji, obviously. Um, you know, the the tricky veteran, Sam Eggington coming with all the momentum. He's like a he's like a wrecking ball, he just keeps coming forward. Uh, we spoke to him obviously a couple of weeks before the fight. Sam Eggington said to me that the timing for this fight was very, very perfect. I agreed with him. I thought he was gonna win by stoppage as well. I put a bet on that and he uh he did do that. Um obviously it was a stoppage win in the eighth round, a brutal, brutal body shot. That, uh, that that Sam Eggington landed. He also sort of set him up for it as well. He, he It was a bit tricky. It was a bit clever there from Sam Eggington, who doesn't always get the credit for some of the smart moves that he lines up. So he now moves to 20 professional wins. And uh, Paulie Malinaji, obviously, following this loss, um, decided to retire from boxing. So, you know, he's had a long and illustrious career. He's fought just about everybody. So we wish Paulie Malinaji all the best in retirement. Uh, Sam Eggington also in that fight retained his WBC International Welterweight title. Also on the bill, O'Hara Davies. He stepped in against Derry Matthews. O'Hara Davis, obviously 14 and 0, the WBC Silver Super Lightweight Champion. Uh, Derry Matthews, 38 and 11, with two draws. Derry Matthews, we knew that he was the older guy. He was the veteran. He was in there really to try to knock O'Hara's head off. O'Hara started the fight incredibly well, very very confident. Matthews was down twice in the third round. And uh, it was called a halt in round three. TKO victory there. O'Hara Davis impressed me. I did have him down for the knockout as well. And, um, you know, he did just that. So great, great win there for O'Hara Davis. And following that fight, Derry Matthews retired. So two boxers retired straight after the fight. Let's hope David Hay doesn't do the same thing. But uh, again, Derry Matthews, another man that we've had the pleasure of interviewing on this show. So all the best to Derry Matthews. Uh, also on that bill, down the undercard, Lee Selby picked up a TKO in round 9. He was only scheduled for 10. I was a little bit worried that he wouldn't get him out of there. He had him down in the first round as well. But um, ever since then, as soon as the guy, it was a Spanish guy, uh, Andoni Gargo in the other corner, as soon as he got up from that knockdown, it was a little bit behind the head, to be honest. It, you know, he sort of hit him downward, um, in all honesty, Lee Selby. And... Um, you know, once he got up, I think Lee Selby kind of thought, Jesus, I don't really want to get him out of here too quick. I do want some rounds in here. It was really a keep busy fight just to stay on the same timeline as uh, Lee Selby's other rivals in that in that uh, that featherweight division. So a good win for Lee Selby there. His record, 24 wins now and one loss. And Donny Gargo, all credit to him, tough guy. He came to fight. His record, 16-3 and three with two draws. We will be speaking to Lee Selby in a short period of time. Also on that bill, Ted Cheeseman moved to 8-0 and with a points win over eight rounds. A good win there for Ted Cheeseman. An explosive fighter. Very, very tricky as well. But his opponent, Jack Sellers, was unbeaten as well. 5-0 and with one draw. His record now 5-1 and with one draw. Um, the Wrecking Machine, the White Rhino, Dave Allen... 10 and 2 with one draw going into his fight against David Howe 12 and 4 um, David Howe actually was I believe he was 6 foot 9 so the weight difference or the height difference I should say was was clear to see I actually was a little bit worried about that for Dave Allen but he went in there he's had two fights in the space of 7 days and he's knocked both men out the first guy got knocked out uh, in 31 seconds and this guy David Howe despite winning the first round pretty big he got knocked out in the second round, so a good win there for Dave Allen. It was a brilliant, brilliant um, right-left little combination. He went down and he didn't want to get back up. So, Dave Allen, all credit to you. Big, big fans of you here on this show. Uh, your record now 11-2 and two with one draw. 
Katie Taylor was also on the bill. She moved to 3-0 with a TKO in round five. It was only scheduled for six. Her opponent was down uh, from a combo to the head prior to the stoppage. So uh, a good win there for Katie Taylor. Her opponent was a tough woman as well. She got up off the floor. She was ready to carry on, but I think the referee had seen enough. Her record now 6-7. and seven. That's Monica Gentili. So Katie Taylor continues to march in a positive manner. Real good fight to her. Uh, going over now to the U.S. at the Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, one of the best boxing venues in the world. We're going to start with the undercard, uh, Mario Barrios. He's only 21 years of age, if I'm not mistaken. He moved to 18-0 and with a TKO in round six over Yardley Suarez, who had a record of 20-6. and I thought this was going to be a tough test for Mario Barrios, but to do it in that fashion, very, very good win there for him. Erickson Lubin looked very, very strong in that fight as well. He took on Jorge Cota, who had a record of 25-1. and one. And Erickson Lubin done a real job on him. He won every round and then stopped him in good fashion. So a TKO in round four there. So Erickson Lubin, 18-0. and 0, Another young, promising fighter as well. Uh, Andre Fonfara was on this bill. His record, 28-4, and four, going in there against former light heavyweight champion of the world. Chad Dawson, who had a record of 34 and 4. Chad Dawson was actually winning the fight before being stopped in the final round. It was only scheduled for 10, but Chad Dawson just wasn't able to uh, to keep from Farah off of him. I think you know he's he sort of tired a little bit over the stretch of the rounds. From Farah, we know he's like a steam train; he just keeps coming. And um, you know, at the end of the day, he wore Chad Dawson down, and Chad Dawson ended up getting knocked out. I don't think he was too happy with a stoppage, but you know, in my eyes, I thought it was fair. So, uh, Fonfara gets another name for his record. His record now at 29-4. and four. Chad Dawson, what does he do from here? It's very, very hard to see a way back, to be honest. It's, it's definitely not going to be at the, you know, at the, at the sort of world level of the light heavyweight division. So, he has to go back to the drawing board and make a big decision. But um, all he had to do was stay on his feet and not get knocked out. And I know that's easier said than done, but he would have won that fight. But uh, he had it took away from him in the final seconds of the round. Now the main event, Danny Garcia, 33-0 going into this fight. Unbeaten against Keith Furman, 27-0 going into this fight. Unbeaten. Both men putting their world titles on the line. Danny Garcia's WBC World Welterweight title. Keith Furman's WBA Super World Welterweight title. Um... I picked out that Keith Furman would win this on points. And I know that I'm sounding like, uh, you know, Mr. Cleverclogs. But I picked out all these fights that I talked about. And the David Hay fight was the only one that let me down on my accumulator. So I was gutted. But, yeah, I thought that Keith Furman was going to win on points. I, I pretty much said it last week on the show that I believe whenever Danny Garcia's come up against, a, you know, one of the sort of elite guys in his division, he hasn't really looked too good. And I believe that um, a natural 147 like Keith Furman, I thought, would be too big and too strong for him. It didn't turn out to be that kind of fight. It turned out to be, you know, quite a boxing match. Some people were not too happy with the fight. Some people thought it was a bit boring. For me, I actually thought it was a good fight. I did. I know that from the first bell, uh, Keith Furman was looking to land bombs. And he would really landed some great punches on Garcia, especially in the first round. Garcia's got a hell of a chin. Uh, both men have got have got great chins. Both men, um, you know, real, real power punches as, as well. Uh, Keith Furman in parts of the fight, neglected the jab. So did Danny Garcia. And I believe that 
those two factors there, they're not, they don't really use their jabs very effectively, both guys. So it was always going to make for, you know, a possible, a possible fight that could end in a knockout. It didn't turn out that way. Um, you know, I believe last week's show, Eddie Chambers went with Danny Garcia to win, uh, even with a late stoppage, he thought, you know, he was wrong. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Keith Furman, as I say, he he landed some great, great shots. And, and the fact that they both neglect the jab is the thing where I think that Kel Brook could come into a fight with either of these guys and possibly do a job on them. I think that that's a great fight, and hopefully we see Kel Brook in with one of these guys. Uh, the champion would be nice, Keith Furman. So obviously, Keith Furman won this fight via a split decision after 12 rounds. Um, I'm really, really surprised by that. Danny Garcia's been very, very lucky on the judges' scorecards more times than I want to remember in boxing. Um, one judge scoring it to him, seven rounds to five. I believe another judge scoring it to Furman, seven rounds to five. And I think another judge maybe gave it 8-4 in favour of Furman. So the right man won. It shouldn't have been a split decision. I didn't score the fight, but I definitely thought it was about eight rounds to four. Some people even had it like 10 rounds to two. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one when they said it was a split. I just thought, oh, no, here we go again. So a disgraceful decision from one of the judges, uh, but some, uh, but, but a great boxing match, you know, as a whole. Uh, Keith Furman now 28-0. He's the new WBC world champion, and, of course, he retains his WBA super world title. Ayaz, I know that you watched this fight as well. I know that this was a fight that we were both looking forward to for a very long time, to be honest. What did you make of that scrap? Um, I thought Furman did very good. He's for a one four seven guy. He's very big for a one four seven. I was reading. I was. I was watching after the uh, post for fight conference, right? When they said that, uh, when Steve Bunt said he, he'll have probably two or three more fights at one four seven, or if he'll move up to one fifty four, Keith Furman. When when he went to the scorecards, the first judge gave to Keith Furman, and the second judge gave to Danny Garcia. I was like, wait a minute. Does the judge know what they're watching? It was it was Keith Furman that was actually winning this fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, like I say, I thought it was a. It was probably I did. Like, as I say, I didn't score it, but I thought it was about eight to four, something like that. I definitely can't understand how anyone can give it to Danny Garcia. I don't think anybody gave it to Danny Garcia online. I was religiously checking Twitter to see how everyone else had it, um, as they was you know reeling in the verdict sort of thing when they was all in the ring waiting for it. Um, a good fight though, a good unification fight. Credit to both men for taking the fight. It was a hard one. Uh, Danny Garcia now 33 and 1 and that loss has come um finally he's got that loss on paper we know that he's lost a couple of fights not on paper and they've gone down with the incorrect decision in many in many eyes including mine so um he's finally got a loss on paper he should have a few by now but um all the best to Keith Furman all the best to Danny Garcia as well to be honest um you know it's, uh, it's it's tough for him if if there's a rematch which I believe he's seeking then um, that's a chance to get his titles back but aside from that you've got the Kell Brook and and uh, Errol Spence situation I can't really see you know what's going to happen there um, Furman you know if that if that rematch doesn't come off then I think he's going to have to wait around for a little bit but hey there's going to be some people that he wouldn't mind fighting because it's a it's a packed division obviously you've got Andre Berto and Sean Porter tied up. You've got um, Manny Pacquiao. Is he going to be fighting Amir Khan? What's he going to be doing? We don't know. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a confusing division at the moment at the moment in in welterweight. But I'm sure that Danny Garcia will try to get you know get get his way back into the titles. But to be honest, I always thought he was better at 140. I don't know. It's just me. 
But uh, hey, that's it for the reviewing. We've done all the reviewing. We've done all the talking about last week's fights. The last thing we do before we end part one is the same as every week. We're going to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF World Featherweight Champion, fresh from his win on the Hay versus Bell You Undercard, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Lee, you know that. Now, I was looking back and I saw that we last spoke with you 28 weeks ago. And in that time, we've had your brother on twice. Obviously, a lot has gone on in that time. The first question, Lee, is we all know about the frustrations you had in Las Vegas going out there to defend your title. It was a boyhood dream of yours. You said it yourself. You were almost in tears when the fight fell through just hours before taking place. How are you feeling about that whole situation now, Lee? No, it's not too bad. No, no, I've recently boxed and got a bit of the, the frustration on how I take out my system. But I'm, at the time, I was obviously devastated. Every, every, that, that's, that's a dream for any fighter from wherever you're from to to, um, to be boxing in Las Vegas, either challenging or defending for a world title. It got taken away from me so so close to the fight. Literally 15 minutes before I was supposed to weigh in, they um, told me the fight was off. So as you can imagine, I was devastated, but I, I, I tried to stay professional. We, um, the, the fight got called on the, on the Friday. Went to the gym Monday, trained, drove to Los Angeles on a Wednesday, spied, and then the fight got rescheduled, so I had something to focus on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, now, as I mentioned, and as you mentioned there, uh, you fought just recently. Obviously, it was just this weekend gone on the uh, Hay versus Bellu undercard against Andoni Gargo, which was obviously yeah. you know a Spanish boxer that we didn't know too much about. It was really just a keep busy fight for you to keep on the same time scale as the other guys that you've got your eye on in the division. After the fight, you went over to the camera and said, "Easy peasy, lemon squeezy." Was that what it was, Lee? That's exactly what it was. But I um, mean, he was a tough guy. Like my, my management who, who picked out a Donny Gago, they, they did their research in Spain, in Spain and, and they all told him he was a very tough guy. He wouldn't be stopped. So um, that, that's why they picked him. They wanted me to get the rounds in. They wanted someone to come come at me and have a go. But uh, yeah, he, he went down in the first round. I was praying he'd get back up because um, I, I, I needed, needed the ring time really. And luckily he got up and then we tied into the ninth round and took him up. Yeah, yeah. The Spaniard came to win and, you know, obviously gave it his all, but it was clear to see the depth in class from the first bell. Uh, I actually had money on you to win that fight by a knockout, <laughs> by the way. And I... Uh, yeah. I, I well must done. admit, <laughs> yeah, well done. But um, it was part of an accumulator, and hey, hey, messed up my whole bet. So uh, I was, I was no, happy yeah. for a few minutes, but yeah, no. Um, I must admit, by the later rounds, I wasn't sure the knockout was going to come, but it seemed to be part of the plan. You stepped it up a gear and immediately yeah. took him out when you wanted to. Uh, so on to the next one. You've been, you've been asking for a big fight now for quite a long time. You mentioned that you've spoken yeah. to your advisor Al Heyman, and he's giving you three yeah. names for your next fight: Carl Frampton, Abner Mares, and Leo Santa Cruz. If I'm not mistaken, you'd like the Carl Frampton fight above all. Is that purely because everybody loves an all-British scrap, or do you see him as the most beatable or the easiest to get the deal done with? What is it, Lee? Um, to be honest, I just think it's the, it's the biggest fight for me. It's the biggest fight in the UK. You know, everybody in in, in boxing in the UK wants to see that fight. I, I recently ran like a Twitter poll to see who, they, see who, the, who the fans wanted me to um, fight next. And the options I put up was Carl Frampton, Adam Myers, Leo Santa Cruz, and Gary Russell Jr. And 
I think it was like 80% of the, the voters chose Carframpton. So I think it's the fight that everybody wants to see. And it's just, just a, it'd be a massive event for, for the UK. And would that fight most likely take place in the UK, you believe? Yeah, I think so. Well, it makes sense. He's, he's obviously Irish, I'm British, I'm Welsh. So um, either Cardiff or Belfast, I see it taking place. And have you got any idea, any kind of date at the moment when you could next be out, any kind of month or anything? Well, if it is a fight against Carframpton, it'd have to be the, the summertime. Because if it, if it took place in Belfast, they're talking about a stadium over there. And if we box in Cardiff, it's just too big for any indoor arena in Cardiff. So we'd have to be either a football state, like Cardiff City football ground or something like that over here. So it'd have to be the summertime. So maybe end, end of May, the earliest. May, June, July, August. Okay, okay. And uh, what did you make of of, of the the fight outcome, the uh, the Bell you and Hay fight? Obviously, no one saw that coming. What did you make of it, Ollie? No one saw it coming, but I, I noticed my brother pick pick Bell to win. It surprised me, but he got it right, and he probably had a lot of tipple on it too, had a lot of bet. <laughs> but um, you know, um, from from you would say you could blame on the injury for Hay. But then, from the, from the first battle, it looked, from where I was sat, the the Bella was um, sort of in control of the fight. He, he was boxing nice, moving. But um, yeah, it, it surprised me. I expected he he to be the winner. And like just just as I thought that, what well, I, I said to my partner, I was sat with that um, the fights get gone into like a little pattern and sort of they get boring. And all of a sudden, they just they just went all the stones, started swinging big shots, and they come to life. Yeah, it was definitely a strange one. Um, obviously, just recently, Josh Warrington's announced that he's taking on Kiko Martinez. Any interest in that one at all, Lee? No interest whatsoever. <laughs> I thought so. No. I thought so. Kiko Martinez, he's, he's a nice guy. I, I went over there before before the second fight with Frampton. And I had him get ready for that. I, I sparred with him. And he's, he's a nice guy. I wish him all the best. He can punch very, very hard. Yeah. I was fine with him when he had 18 ounce gloves on, he could punch very hard. Yeah. He could knock anybody off his ass somewhere. If, if you check his amateur record, I'm sure he had about 40 fights. And I might be mistaken, but I'm sure he knocked all of them out. Or maybe like two or three went a distance or something. Wow. We can punch. Very big punch. Do you see him beating mm. Warrington? Um, it depends what he, what he got left. I, yeah. I think he's, he's swapped war now and he's. He's well past his best, but they say a fighter, the last thing they lose is their punch, and he can certainly punch. Yeah, fair And And, and, and boxing, anything can happen, like you've seen Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And any update on your brother Andrew? When's he next out, Lee, if you know? I think he'll be fighting in May. Maybe okay. out in May, I think. Yeah. And finally, Lee, uh, just before I let you go, I just wanted to give you... Well, I just wanted to bring up, obviously, the Dean Francis situation. You've decided to yeah. put your boxing shorts that you worn on the weekend, the fight against Andoni Gargo, on, on auction. Uh, I believe that the bids, if I'm not mistaken, are at about £800 now? Yeah, someone like that, around like 850 Someone like close the bid on Friday, and whatever money's raised, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it over to Dean Francis, and it's going to help him try and, try and find... Some like some some sort of cure or some help to like prolong his life or maybe even cure cure his cancer. Which you is know, there's, there's like a just a just given page going on Facebook. They they they're trying to raise some money to do the same thing. So 
and that's a real nice touch from yourself, Lee. Um, for anybody that may be listening, that may be interested in, in, in trying to get involved in the bidding, all they've got to do is tweet you um, an, an amount. Is that right? Yeah, well, well I've, done, I've, I've put out a post on my Facebook fan page, my personal page on Twitter and Instagram. So any one of them, just, just leave a bid in the comments and, and I'll get back to you. Brilliant stuff, Lee. Very nice touch. Listen, thanks once again for making time for us. You and your brother are always a pleasure to speak to. You know no that. No problem. Thank we'll look you. At, we'll look out for what's next for you, my friend, and no doubt we'll speak again soon. Yeah, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, the man himself is here. It's Ayaz Sumra with this week's latest boxing news. Right. Sean Porter will fight Andre Boto on April the 22nd. Yes, um, obviously that's the week before the Joshua Klitschko fight. Um, I did kind of just say it a couple of minutes ago, just before the the Lee Selby interview, just there. But um, yeah, you know, I, I I let it slip. But no, it's it's a decent fight, I suppose. I mean, in my honest opinion, I think Berto's way way past it. I think Sean Porter, uh, his style, the the way he's a pressure fighter, the way he's 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 a bit of a he fights, you know, he turns fights into a bit of a dog fight. And I don't think at this part in Berto's career, he's got a fight like that left in him. I don't think... When I say a dogfight, I don't mean like a, um, you know, like a, a bloody brawl kind of thing. I mean, it's like fighting up close. He's on your chest all the time. He doesn't stop coming forward, Sean Porter. Um, and I just don't think that Berto really has got enough fight in him to keep him off him. Uh, it, it could be interesting, but for me, I think Sean Porter wins that relatively easy. Probably, uh, maybe even by stoppage, actually, I will go and say. Uh, that's it for that one. I was bringing the next one. Right, Javonta Davis will fight Liam Walsh on May the 20th. Yes, I was at the press conference earlier this week in the Savoy Hotel, London. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good to see all the guys on the top table. Obviously, Frank Warren, um, Liam Walsh, and then from Mayweather's team, Mayweather himself, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, he's fighter Javonte Davis, a man that we've had on this very show, and Leonard Ellaby, the CEO of Mayweather Promotions. Um, it was a good press conference, actually. It was one of those um, press conferences where you just felt something special was going on. What what really interested me is Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, the great champion he is, TBE, maybe people say he could be, maybe he's not. He never fought outside of the US as a professional fighter at all. Throughout his whole career, he did not step foot out of the US and box. Um, Javante Davis, who is really, I don't want to say he's number one guy, because that might be a bit unfair on the other guys, but he is the hottest thing in the Mayweather stable. Javante Davis, he's knocked out, I believe, all but one or two of his opponents. He's a world champion. He's the youngest world champion in boxing right now. He is on fire right now. He is, he's a tank. He's, he's incredible. He is a monster. He's a beast. So, you know... To bring him over here for his first defense of his world title after a spectacular stoppage win over Jose Pedraza, who was the champion, who was also unbeaten. That was a great fight. Some thought it was a bit too early for Javante. He went in there, he'd done the business. He's defending his title in his first defense over in the UK, which for me shows the intent that Frank Warren has with this new deal with BT Sports. It shows the intent that he's bringing champions over here to defend their titles. So that's great, great news for British boxing fans. We hopefully are going to see more of it coming in the future with Frank Warren, with Eddie Hearn. And uh, again, British boxing's booming. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight. And I'm looking forward to the 20th of May. 
Tyson Fury will return to the ring on May the 13th. Yes, um, right now I've seen a few different sort of statements, not official statements from uh, from any sanctioning bodies or, or any board of controls or anything like that, but I've seen a few quotes and... Um, I believe that the British Boxing Board of Control are basically saying that they're not going to license him um, due to whatever reason. Again, I don't know the ins and outs, but he has said that he's prepared to go and get a boxing license from you know a different a different country or whatever and come here to box. So um, yeah, it doesn't really make too much difference. I know that Tyson Fury and the British Boxing Board of Control have never had a great relationship. So um, yeah, if he returns to to action, we you know just just sort of two months time from now, it'd be great. You know we've missed him very much, but any photos that anybody's seen of him of late, he looks really big. So uh, I'm not sure what sort of shape he can get in with just two months, with you know ballooning up to what he has done or what he looks like he has done in certain pictures. But um, nonetheless, you know, big or small, out of shape or not, he's always he's always you know put on a, an exciting fight. And yes, it's great to have him back in boxing. I'm I'm looking for an official announcement. Hopefully we get it in the coming days. But it's exciting news for the boxing fans of the UK. During the fight between David Hay and Tony Ballou, Tony Ballou broke his hand and David Hay sustained an Achilles injury. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the uh, the, the, the David Hay injury. Uh, it's also come out that Tony Bellew has broken his hand. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Nobody knew this at the time. But um, it's it's come out after the after the fight's finished. So, yeah, maybe that's the reason why Tony Bell you wasn't able to finish David Hay. You know, maybe that was it. I don't, I don't know what round that happened in. But um, again, we wish both men the best of luck and both men speedy recoveries. Callum Smith will travel to America to face Anthony Durrell. Yes, um, obviously the purse bids went out for this. Um, you know, last week and and the purse bid was won by TGB Promotions, which I haven't actually heard of them, but obviously they're the people looking after Anthony Durrell. Uh, it's for the vacant WBC super middleweight title, which obviously um, Badu Jack vacated when he moved up to light heavyweight. So, um, yeah, it was a $1.6 million bid by TGB Promotions that won the bid. They outbid Eddie Hearn, which was a bit of a surprise for me because I actually thought that, you know, Callum Smith's a promising prospect. Some say he's the best prospect in world boxing. I really thought that Eddie Hearn would have come in with a monstrous bid to get it over here. I really, really did. Um, I don't know, maybe the money or, or whatever is something that, that Callum Smith fancies or maybe they're just so confident that they think they can win the fight wherever it is and for that reason they're prepared to travel for it but I just thought with the amount of fighters he's got that are, that are from Liverpool he could have put on a big card in Callum Smith's hometown and you know he would have had the home advantage and it would have all been quite a good thing but as I say he's been outbid and uh, it looks like he's going to be fighting in the US I'd imagine that's where it's going to be but um, yeah I was pretty surprised the $1.6 million bid and uh, they won the bids for that. So, yeah, all the best to Callum Smith, another man that we've had on this show, another man with um, huge, huge star potential, and we really, really hope to see him become the new WBC super middleweight champion very, very, very soon. Is there any more news for us, Ayaz? No, Joey, that's it. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz, for this week's news. We're going to crack on now with the preview part of the show. Uh, One fight to mention over in the Metro City, Northbridge, Western Australia. 
Uh, one fight to mention on this bill, as I say, Vic Darchinian, former world champion, 42-9 and nine with one draw, takes on Manat Komput, who has a record of 13-16. and 16. It's a six-rounder at super bantamweight. Strange one, this. Uh, Vic Darchinian obviously coming off of a loss, so... Well, I suppose we'll forgive him a little bit, but um, yeah, you've got to mention it. He's still, you know, a big name fighter. That's it for Australia. Going over now to Japan at the Korokuen Hall in Tokyo. Top of the bill over there, Tomoki Kamida, 32 and 2. Those two losses to our good friend Jamie McDonald. He's in a 10 rounder against Pipat Chaiporn, who has a record of 42 and 9 with one draw. So that should be pretty interesting. Also on that bill, Hisashi Amagasa. We've seen him in there, um, I think last time I watched one of his fights, I think he lost to Josh Warrington, if I'm not mistaken. His record 31 and 6 with two draws. Tough guy, though, and he takes on Kinshiro Yusui, who has a record of 27-4. and four. I don't know too much about those two opponents. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, that's it for Japan. Moving over now to the waterfront hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, Jamie Conlon, 18-0. and oh, He's always in an exciting fight. He takes on Yeda Cordoza, who has a record of 22-10 and 10 with one draw. So, um, Jamie Conlon, he never fails to deliver for exciting fights. He's been in a few barn burners. Some fights that really shouldn't have been barn burners have turned into it. So, that's definitely a fight that I won't be missing. This one's for the vacant WBC International Silver Super Flyweight title. So, good luck to Jamie Conlon there. Um... Also on that bill, Declan Geraghty gets out again. He takes on James Tennyson. A good fight, this one. It's for the vacant Irish super featherweight title. Uh, Con Sheehan gets out again. He's 4-0. He looks to move to 5-0. This is a heavyweight clash over eight rounds. Of course, Con Sheehan being looked after by Peter Fury. Uh, Also on that bill, Paddy Barnes. He's been on our show before, just after his first fight. So this is his second fight. His opponent yet to be announced. Uh, Phil Sutcliffe Jr. is on this one as well. He was in a good fight last time out. He's in his 14th professional contest. Kevin Satchel also on this bill. He looks to pick up his 17th career win. His opponent yet to be announced. And finally, Gary Corcoran also on this bill in his 17th professional outing. A man that, again, we've had on the show before. We wish Gary Corcoran the best of luck. That's it for Northern Ireland. We're now going over to the MGM Grand Detroit Okay, the MGM Grand in Detroit, Michigan, USA. Uh, One fight to mention over here, really. It's a female. It's Clarissa Shields, a double Olympic champion. Uh, This is her second professional fight. Of course, she's 1-0 at the moment. She takes on a lady called Sylvia Sabados, who has a record of 15-8. This one's for the vacant NABF female middleweight title, so all the best to Clarissa Shields. I doubt she's going to need it, to be honest. She really is one of a kind. That's it for the US. Moving over now to Australia, going back over there to the Rumours International. That is the name of the venue, the Rumours International. It's in Toowoomba in Australia. Um, that's it for the for the pronunciations. Uh, former world champion Michael Katsidis. Uh, he's on this bill, 31-7. and seven. His record at the moment, he takes on Josh King, who has a record of 20-4. and four. It's a super lightweight bout over eight rounds, so all the best to both men there. That's it for Australia. Moving over now to Germany. This one's gone under the radar this week. This one shocked me. I was looking to see what fights were on this week, and it jumped out on me. I couldn't believe it was happening this week. I really have not heard many people talking about it. Uh, Jack Kulkai 
defending his WBA World Super Welterweight title, so his WBA 154 title. His record 22-1. and one. He takes on the undefeated Demetrius Andrade, who has a record of 23-0. and 0. And we know that Andrade, or Andrade, is a brilliant, brilliant fighter. He's definitely one of the most underrated fighters in world boxing. His inactivity kept him out of the minds of the boxing fans for quite a while. And since he's come back, he looks pretty explosive. He knocks people out. He's a master boxer. A lot of people saying he's going to probably go over there to Germany, knock out the champion and take home a belt. Again, we wish Andrade the best of luck. I'll probably say his name wrong. Andrade, I think it is. So uh, he doesn't need much luck. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's one of my most exciting fighters to watch. I really like watching Andrade. He's a great, great fighter. Of course, we've seen him in there against Brian Rose. That was a fight we didn't like watching. But uh, yeah, good, a good fighter, Andrade. And of course, he's going to probably take that belt back to the US. And also on that undercard, um, a fight again that surprised me, Gamal Yafai is on the bill. So uh, good for him to go on the road in Germany and get out over there. His record at the moment, 10-0. He's in a six-rounder at Super Bantamweight against Kavicha Gigalashvili, <laughs> who has a record of 14-17. and 17. So Gamal Yafai, we know he's classy, he should do the job on him. Moving over now to Ghana, the Bukom Boxing Arena in Accra, Top of the bill over there, Richard Comey, 24-2. He takes on Heidi Slimani, who has a record of 26-2. Richard Comey had a very, very um, unlucky, I'd say, year last year. We know that he can really, really bang. He can punch holes in walls. And last year, he come up very, very short, um, winning, of course, uh, or trying to win the IBF um, world title and obviously we know Richard Comey's class he's a, he's a banger and he's always in exciting fights he's probably going to be a nice it's a nice homecoming like I say he had a he had two losses last year in very 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 close fights that could have gone either way so he's been very unlucky he goes back to Ghana a nice little homecoming he's going to probably put on a show for his for his home support probably another spectacular knockout this one's for the vacant WBC international silver lightweight title so all the best of luck to Richard Comey moving back now to the US two more bills to go over here uh, top of the bill over here in the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill Maryland USA uh, Gary Russell Jr 27 and 1 he puts his WBC world featherweight title on the line against Oscar Escandon who has a record of 25 and 2 should be a good fight this one we know that Gary Russell Jr is truly truly a real talent uh, some would say he's the best featherweight in you know in the division some would say that he's class Gary Russell Jr that only one loss coming to Lomachenko there's no shame in that but um yeah Gary Russell gets out again He's been pretty inactive, so I'm looking forward to his return. Also on that bill, Jamel Charlo, 28-0. This is the Charlo that hasn't just moved up in weight. This is the Charlo that still holds a belt in the 154 division. Uh, he puts his WBC World Super Welterweight title on the line against Charles Hatley, who, if I'm not mistaken, is his mandatory challenger. Charles Hatley, 26-1 with one draw. Um, should be a good fight, but I think Jamel Charlo... You know, the skill set he's got. He's a clever boxer, and again, he can bang. So, uh, yeah, it should be a decent little bang up this one. It's gone under the radar. Again, a lot of fights this week have gone under the radar. So, again, all the best to both men there. Jamel Charlo, a class, class fighter. And finally, the final bill to mention a couple of fights on the undercard I want to go to first. This one's at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. 
Uh, starting with the undercard, two fights to mention on the undercard. Diego De La Hoya, his record at the moment, a perfect 16-0. and Of course, this is the cousin of Oscar De La Hoya. He takes on Roberto Puchetta, who has a record of 10-9 and with one draw. Diego De La Hoya looking to move to 17-0. and It's an eight-rounder at super bantamweight, that one. Also on this bill, return of Yuriokis Gamboa. It's always good to see him fight, of course, former world champion, class fighter as well. Um, he's only lost to Terence Crawford. His record 25 and 1. He takes on Rene Alvarado, who has a record of 24 and 7. It's a 10 rounder at lightweight, so that one should be good. And the top of the bill now, this one as well, you can watch this card on Box Nation. Top of the bill, David Lemieux, 36 and 3. A real banger, former world champion, of course, uh, losing to Golovkin last year. Uh, I believe it was last year. He takes on Curtis Stevens, who has a record of. 29 and 5. Both men don't really like each other. There's a bit of bad blood there. I believe he's more on Curtis Stevens' side, but both men have lost to Gennady Golovkin. Both men were stopped by Gennady Golovkin. Curtis Stevens put up a decent fight. David Lemieux put up a decent fight. So it's going to be interesting to see. Both guys, as I say, were stopped by Gennady Golovkin and they both headline a bill here. It's not for any title, but it's a 12-rounder at middleweight, so it should be pretty exciting, that one. But may the best man win. I've got no invested um, loyalty in either of them, but it should be a good fight. And that's really it for the previewing. We've done all the talking. We've done the reviewing. We've done the news, and the previewing is just finished we've got one last thing to do of course before we end part two and end the show and that of course is to welcome our second and final guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome a man coming off two knockout wins in just seven days it's of course the white rhino dave allen dave welcome to the show very much mate thanks for having me on Hey man, it's my pleasure, you know that. Now firstly, Dave, I want to talk to you about the first fight you had. Uh, obviously you fought, you know, seven days apart, we didn't really get a chance to speak with you. Uh, the first fight was on the Gavin McDonnell undercard in Hull. You beat your opponent in 31 seconds of the first round, it didn't last very long at all. How was that experience for you firstly, Dave? Yeah, it was good, you know, it was the first, it was my first fight, um, since the Ortiz fight, um, you know, it was my, I, I don't won in 11 months, you know. I've lost to Dylan White, lost to Ortiz. And all of a sudden, I'm facing a cruiserweight with 28 losses. So, um, there was more pressure really there because, you know, you lose to him, it's game over, you know. I never thought I was going to lose, but it was tough. He'd gone the distance with numerous world champions. Um, I just caught him on top of the head with one, really. You know, I think I think he's an old man that's gone pretty soft. Um, but, you know, I did exactly what I should have done, really. I took him apart in 31 seconds. Like you said, I didn't do anything that I shouldn't have done it was just nice to get it was a bit of confidence and a, a win um, a win in, in, in I looked good doing it I thought and um, you know it set me up nicely for, for the Hay Bellew so I need a good performance ready to turn around and say right you can fight on there now yeah, and like I say, it was a good performance from yourself. So just seven days later, uh, which was last weekend, you was on the Hay vs. Bell, you undercard, you fought David Howe, who, um, he was, he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was six foot nine. Like, you know, the height difference was crazy. Now, David Howe actually had a good first round. I think I probably gave him that round, in all honesty. Yeah. It all went wrong for him in the second round when you took him out in brutal fashion. Did you enjoy that one, Dave? Yeah, like you said, the first round, David Howe won the first round. But, um... David Howe came out like it was one round fight really put everything into the first round just to keep me off him um, and it was a six round fight so you know, people say I got hit too much but but David Howe really you know 
when you're six foot, when you're six foot eight, six foot nine, you know he's got a good record. I know the man. I've been in the gym with the man. He can really box. So the first round, you know, yeah, he did win the first round, but I, I kind of assumed that was going to happen anyway, unless I caught him with one. You know, he can box. So that was a better result than the week before. You know, David Howe. You know, he does fall apart, capitulate, and he, he maybe is a bit dodgy around the whiskers, but, you know, he can really box. So, so that result, I am happy with, you know. In the second round, when I calmed down, and David Howe, you know, kind of gassed out a little bit because he put so much keeping me off in the first, I was quite happy with the performance, really. It was, it was a good win. You know, and, and boxing down at the 0-2, you know, the, the, it, it was good, you know. So I, I'm more happy with the Howe fight than I am with, with, the, with the other one, even though I won't say it one second. Yeah, but no, it was it was a good win, and like I say, on a big stage as well. So brilliant exposure for yourself. Um, obviously, you were supposed to be on the crawler bill on the twenty fifth of this month. Um, I believe that's that's probably not happening now. So you're likely to be on a bill uh, in about five weeks' time. Where is it again? Yeah, you know, Ed, Ed is just saying he wants me to get in the gym. You know, when you fight every other week, you don't really get a chance to train. You don't really get a chance to bring your weight down. You, you doing a bit of training and you're easing off again so Eddie just wants to give me a bit more time to get some weight off get some work in the gym so it's looking like the 15th in Glasgow or 22nd in Liverpool so it gives us a bit of time to get in the, get back in the gym shift a little bit of weight I still got like I still got about a stone to lose to get down to my optimal weight still a lot of work to in the gym a lot a hell of a lot of work obviously you know I've only had 14 fights um, you know you can, there's a lot, I'm making a lot of mistakes I'm still very novice because like I said not much much background so I'm very novice still um, only, only really my physical strength and the fact that I can punch a little bit and I'm tough, you know, that's, get, that's getting me through, that's getting me past these guys. So I'm not in optimum shape or, or or doing things to the best of my ability in the ring. So we're a long way off. Uh, Eddie's going to have me another six-rounder, my next fight, then an eight-rounder. Then I think we're going to step up uh, and box for the title. I'm not sure what the title that is yet, but yeah, we're going to step it up after, after the next two fights if the, if the correct improvements are made. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. And also, you know, after the, I think it was this first, this last win that you had, I think it was that one. It might have been the one before. I can't remember now. But um, Ian Lewison put out a tweet saying, you know, if you're ready, let's fight. I know that you sort of responded as if like, hey, let me enjoy my win first, you know, before we start talking about it. Um, when you mention about a, a title fight coming maybe in about two, three fights time, is that the man that you're looking at? Yeah, you know, Ian Lewison is the one that I've uh, got a lot of respect for. I think he's a good fighter. Um, you know, I think an in shape in Lewison is as dangerous as any fighter out there. You know, he can definitely punch, and if he's in shape, he's he, he got a very good chance of putting it on you as well. So, you know, I've taken it one fight at a time now. I used to be rushing about, but but my next fight is the biggest fight. Your next fight is always the big one. You know, I've boxed Luis Ortiz, but as soon as that was done and I was fighting the Polish fella, you know, he became the most important fight I've ever had. It's always the next one's most important one. So I don't, I'm not looking past it. I'm not even know I'm boxing yet, but I'm not going to look past him. I think me and Ian Lewis is a tremendous fight. Um, you know, for Sexton and Corners, you go back for the British. I'm not going to fight Ian Lewis in an eight-rounder, you know. I'm not going to fight him in a ten-rounder. I'm only going to fight Ian Lewis for the title, and I believe he will think the same. Because we both know that's going to be a really hard fight for each other. So, it just depends what's on the table, you know. If they come to me and say you can fight Ian Lewis for the Commonwealth title, then then, it's, then that's an opportunity I'm not going to pass up. But, but you know, just the, these fights are, have got to be at the right time for myself. And, and, they've, and they've got to be something on the line to fight a man like Ian Lewis. And I do have a lot of respect. I think he's a good fighter. Yeah, and that's a fight I would like to see, I've got to be honest. Um, obviously, Dave, I know that you like to fight pretty regularly. I know that um, 
I know maybe not every weekend, but I know that fighting regularly is your cup of tea. Um, why is that? Why do you like fighting so regularly? If you could fight, I know, I know. If you could, if it was up to you, you'd like to fight probably every month. I'd say at least. Yeah, you know, I want to be on the color bill, but I can understand what Eddie's saying. There's a lot of improvements that need to be made. My weight needs to come down, and, and that's not possible to do that um, when I'm fighting every week. You know, so I just like to be busy. I just like to fight. I just like to be out there, and I think. The more you fight, the sharper you are, the more aware you are. You know, the nerves get less and less every time you get in there. Because I'm not experienced, I'm still, I'm still learning on the job. Um, and, and these shows that I'm on now, you know, these aren't in front of five, 600 people. You know, there was 17,000 capacity the other day. There wasn't that many when I boxed, but, you know, it just, it just gets easier. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And the more times you do it in, in close succession, it just gets easier and easier. So... It's still pretty busy, you know, two fights in a week and then one five weeks later, still still very busy. So, you know, the fact that Matt Shulman and Eddie are working with me now, you know, it, this is going to be the making of me, you know. So I'm putting the effort in the gym. And, you know, hopefully when I box in five weeks or six weeks' time, I'm going to go to Liverpool, you know, we'll start to see a, a, a major difference because, uh, because I've had a little bit of time straight in between. I've got to be honest, speaking to you now, compared to speaking to you uh, probably the first time I think we had you on the show, you sound a different man. You actually, you know, before you were kind of like, I think you sort of threw yourself into that um, that Dillian White fight, maybe even perhaps the, the Ortiz fight. Now it seems like you're a little bit more composed, a little bit more understanding of the of the business of boxing, it, it seems. Yeah, you know, I took the White fight and the Ortiz fight. I didn't, at that point, you know, my career was kind of, was it? it wasn't really going anywhere, so... I had to take the white fight. It was a fight I couldn't really turn down, you know. And then the Ortiz fight was a similar situation. But now, you know, I've got a really big chance. I know the chance that I've got. I've got Eddie uh, with Matchroom, you know, willing to... You know, if I, if I train hard and get the results, you know, there's nothing stopping me whatsoever. You know, I've got everything in my favour, so I, I know that now. And, you know, I, I know what all I've got to do is get in the gym, train hard, get in the ring and perform. And I can go as far as I want to go, you know, because I've got the backing, whereas before, it was just kind of like, where where is it really going? But now I've got confidence. After the old tease fight, I've got a lot of confidence in my ability. You know, the last two wins have done nothing but, you know, nothing but, but make my confidence grow. So um, what it is now is I've got confidence in my ability now. And I think, I, I, I was always com- I always knew I could fight, but now I know that these men at world level aren't supermen, you know, and, it, and it's a level that I can, I can really be confident of getting to. So but that's the main difference. I'm glad to hear you say that. I truly am, and I really, really am. I'm proud of you. Now, um, I want to talk about the the main event last weekend: Hay versus Bellew. The outcome. I know that we spoke at the weigh-in, and I think that we both agreed it was going to probably be a Hay fight, a Hay win, I should say. Um, that wasn't the way it went. What did you make of it? Yeah, you know, on, on first watch, because Bellew was having a little bit of success and he was taking the shots, I kind of thought Bellew was Bellew was pulling the fight. I watched the fight back. I think Hay was well in control before the injury. Um, and Hay looks, you know, Hay looked very heavy, but he looks in very good shape, you know, until the injury happened. And that just kind of turned the fight on its head. We'll never know what would have happened without the injury. You know, maybe, maybe Bellew would have put the pressure on him and Hay would have folded anyway. I don't know. But as it was, you know, Hay was in control. But some of the things we'll never know now. Hopefully, hopefully we will get the rematch. You know, I think, I think that's, I think that would be the best fight for both men. You know, I don't really want to see Bellew fight Fiori's in the Wilders. I think they're real super, super heavyweights, you know. And it's not really fact I'm interested in, in him having, you know. So hopefully it can happen again, and we'll and hopefully Hay comes and he's 100 percent ready and fit, and and we get a great fight again. Because one thing you can say about the fight, you know, there was a lot of drama and it was very exciting. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I hope we do see a rematch, but yeah, I agree. I think uh, going for someone who's six foot seven, six foot six might be a little, a little bit too far. Uh, even, even though he's had a bit of a dream journey, to be honest, Tony Bellew. Um, and, f- and the final real question I've got for you, Dave. Um, I, I know that we've spoke a little bits about it, but I don't think we've actually said it or spoke about it properly on the show. Next month, we're very, very close closing in now on the uh, on the big heavyweight clash Wembley Stadium 90,000 people Vladimir Klitschko Anthony Joshua I know people ask you this on Twitter almost every single day who you reckon's going to win so uh, sorry to fray at you once again but uh, let us know what do you think <laughs> you know I think I do honestly think that Klitschko Klitschko from you know any time from 2014 before that would deal with Anthony Joshua at this stage very comfortably but you know, this is a Klitschko who's 41 now. We've been out of the sport for 18 months. And the, and the last time we saw him, he, was, he got comprehensively outboxed by Tyson Fury. So is this the same man? I'm edging towards Klitschko just because I think Joshua can't do what Fury can do. He's not going to come out and, 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 and frustrate him and make him miss and move. And he hasn't got that size advantage. So I think they're both going to be still up tall in front of each other. I think it's going to be a case of whoever hits the other one first on the chin, you know? You know, there's a lot of rumours going around. Joshua's been getting done in sparring a lot. You know, Klitschko obviously, you know, he's never took the greatest shot. I really think it's going to come down to who who hits who first on the chin. And I think Joshua's really got to just put it on Klitschko, you know, because I think he's just got to put it on him straight away. He's not going to outbox Klitschko. He's not going to outjab him. So, you know, for them reasons, that I think Klitschko will, will win the battle of the jabs. And I think, and I just think obviously the experience and that and that and that more experience in the big fights. I don't think Joshua having you know, Breezy Al Molina and, and Charles Martin is, is good enough in the run to fight with me and Klitschko. Unless Klitschko gets all overnight, you know, I'm making a favourite over Joshua. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree, to be honest, Dave. And finally, I just wanted to say, I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity, really, to, to get anything else off your chest that I may have not asked you, anything at all you want to let any listeners know. No, you know, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who's listening to this, you know, um, you know, my journey so far, which is what it's been, you know, it's been a mad one, really. You know, it's a lot of it, you know, been down to the to, to what's been going on social media, you know, they've kind of been on Eddie's, on Eddie's case. And um, so it's just a big thank you to everyone, really. Sometimes the only pressure I feel is, you know, I don't, I don't let these people down, you know, because there's, there's been a hell of a lot of support lately and, it, and, it, and it's appreciated. And, uh, and I don't forget it. Now, listen, Dave, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Once again, congrats on your two recent wins. Have a good birthday in uh, just a couple of weeks' time. So uh, everybody listening to this, make sure you rein in with the happy birthday tweets to Dave. And listen, we'll, we'll look forward to the next knockout win for you. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude what has been episode 73 of the Box Hard Podcast. A special thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the IBF featherweight champion of the world, Mr. Lee Selby, and the new and improved version of the white rhino, Dave Allen. It's been a pleasure making this show. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Remember, you can leave us a review on iTunes if you've got a spare minute. We'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until next time, take care.